What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome to the cast. We're filming on Tuesdays, releasing on Fridays, so this is a week old news Great. <laughs> at this point. But it's important to talk about. YouTube is disabling dislikes yep. on videos. Allegedly, and I watched the uh, PR video that they released, where they trotted out some poor guy who has to just defend this line, which is total BS, <laughs> uh, just professionally, and I don't blame him, has to lie, uh, <laughs> that this is to protect essentially the feelings of small creators. Yeah. Now, there's a really easy way to do that, which is to disable likes on videos with fewer than 10,000 views sure. or something. Like, problem solved. Yeah, Smaller yeah. creators. You can only dislike can a video only dislike after a vi- it gets past 10,000 yeah. views. We uh, did it, YouTube. You're welcome. <laughs> solved your problem. Small creators are protected. You're welcome. Uh, it is, it's such a bummer. It really is because... It's such a worse product. And I see. I think we're... Maybe it's Web 2 or whatever, but we've talked about this with Uber. All of these companies and products, which I still use and still find utility and value in, used to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Like Uber was when they came out from a customer's perspective. Uh, they're like, w- don't, we will never ask for tip because like you should just pay it yeah, up price front. Yeah, included. It's a, it's a minute away maximum. Uh, always going to be cheaper than a cab. Always going to be cheaper than a cab. And we've arrived at a place where Uber is, doesn't show up, is more expensive than a cab. Mm-hmm. Tip is totally necessary in order for these drivers to make a living. They reveal later down the line after they've paid to acquire you as a customer. It's essentially, in my from a customer's perspective, obviously not from the driver, it feels like a uh, an app to order a taxi. Yes, but at least half of taxi drivers have gone out of business <laughs> yeah. because of Uber's competitive practices. So now there are no taxis for you to take. Yeah. So, so there, you have to take an Uber. So now we're at YouTube, broadcast yourself. You know, we're it's about the little guy. And this is, in my opinion, I'll say it, like indefensibly to protect advertisers Dude. and... And just hail big corporate, man. Yeah, yeah. Get on board. <laughs> hail big corporate. Uh, the dislikes, and I'm saying things that I've seen said before, but it's, it was such a useful feature to know if you were being clickbaited by a video. Oh, yeah. Because there's videos that have lots of views that you'll click, and I'm thinking like UFC fights. It's like, full fight. It's like, no, it's not. And yeah, I, yeah. Knew, I knew like right away that it wasn't the full fight. But if you have the right thumbnail and the right title, you'll still get tons of views, and you can string people along mm-hmm. by having the like tail of the tape at the beginning, which I don't know what fight this is from exactly. I can't. Yeah. So they'll get their whatever 35 seconds of Yeah, but of now Gillette time. doesn't have 
a 90% downvoted yeah. ad for advertisement video, you yeah. know, and that's what really matters. Um, also YouTube rewind. All right. Someone in YouTube was just tired of getting dumped on every year after all his hard work turned out to be shitty. Yes. Now he doesn't have to deal with it. Now he doesn't have to deal with it. And yeah, it's, it's a real shame. And the, he that's said, why we need web three. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting more and more on board. Decentralize. With. It's a bummer because I, I think there's this natural, when you're the, when you're not the incumbent, when you're the newcomer, you have to do things better for the audience in order to break in. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of these companies did was they made it really customer friendly. And I was like, I love, I love these corporations. They're amazing. You know? and, and increasingly, as they become the incumbents, they become worse and worse as they try to protect and build moats around their thing and cater more to advertisers and stop paying to acquire users and start extracting value from their users so it's a bummer, but one of, one of the lines in this, the video, and again, I don't blame the guy who had to make it, who had to get there, is like, creators can be bullied or harassed for their decision to turn off likes, so we've chosen to do it for all videos. Like, there was already the, the opportunity to turn off likes and dislikes if you didn't like well, it. Well, can I, you can also turn off comments. So I, <laughs> let's just say I'm a, I'm a creator. I'm like, man, I really don't like that I'm getting downvoted so much. I'm going to turn off my downvote option. And then I get a bunch of comments spamming me for doing that. I can also turn those off. And yeah. I can produce videos that no one can like, no one can dislike, and no one can comment on. That's mm-hmm. a fully available feature. It's so it's it's obviously a false justification, yeah. and and like the ideas that we have, which is literally okay. You want to well, protect small creators? Just p- put a number, you know, under ten thousand views, under fifty thousand views. You can't. There's there's no things upvotes or downvotes, and that's across the board. There's there's really easy ways to mm-hmm. just solve the problem that they profess to have which isn't we've taken this away for everybody you're not allowed to dislike videos that you don't like anymore while creating a whole new problems but even if we do take them out their word the idea that because some people feel a level of shame for something that they've created nobody is allowed to receive feedback and there can be no ratings is such an unhealthy approach to self-esteem and society listen like feedback has upset people so we've done away with feedback <laughs> like i made a video for GoDaddy. it was not well received <laughs> i got the message yeah. we never did it again but we kept trucking and we produced content that wasn't like that going forward like mm-hmm. it's okay to make a video that gets some dislikes it's okay to feel sad that people don't like your thing uh and, and in fact i would say that is increasingly uh, for creators, an important stage to go through because it teaches you how to have your vision of expression interact with an audience who may or may not like it and how to uh, to speak more. It's feedback. It, it point, helps you be more effective. At what point do you think they'll just start limiting what videos you see on your homepage? It's like, well, we, we only wanted to give creators who are sad a chance. So these are all... <laughs> videos like you don't get to watch ESPN anymore they already do they've already got the news bar which is all by the way the most downvoted thing on YouTube which is like what do you know you're forcing these videos down my throat they've all you know everything related to COVID vaccines has a 10% which is abysmal right I wonder if that was a big decision if it was related to um and I think what happens is quite frankly they are they are turning down the knob of the audience basically the audience is going to get less and less say as we cater more towards established creators on YouTube in some cases and also corporations that are now super interested on YouTube mostly corporations so when I look at the at least and for advertisers, me advertisers yeah when I look at the news feed for YouTube 
Phil DeFranco's not on there. Mm-hmm. It's all CNN, Fox, MSNBC. Oh, the ones that they force upon you yeah, exactly. are, are those ones. They, it's, they don't even go for the big creators. It's not like the biggest organic YouTube creator is featured there. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's all legacy media with not a lot this of views is, and horrible uploads. People probably, this is probably old news for some people, but th- this was the thing where somebody did a study of how what what the view count has to be for PewDiePie to get on trending versus Jimmy Fallon. It was, it was Coffee Zilla prior to Coffee Zilla. Yeah, he, when he was Coffee Break. Yeah, and just how eager YouTube is to make you watch Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel and how absolutely impossibly hard it is for PewDiePie in comparison. Like he has to do a hundred times the views mm-hmm. in the same amount of time to be considered trending. Yeah. Sports center, I think was the one that was most able to like, just, just get whatever they wanted. Stephen Stephen a. Smith. A. Smith. Yeah. They, they just, and it, it's, it's really a shame broadcast yourself nonsense. This is semi related. Um, unless there's anything else that you wanted to say with regards. Well, to my this. only question is like, yeah, what do you do? This seems to be the organic. If we if we talk about entities as sentient, you know, governments have their own consciousness and corporations have their own consciousness, not in the sense of feeling sadness, but just they they act in their own best interest and they get the organisms within them, the people, to do that or they replace them, basically. And they have systems set up like boards of directors yeah. that will just fire you if you don't put profit first. So other than never going public, what do you do? What do you do if you're the founder of YouTube 10 years ago? You're going, I really hope we don't sell out and start hail big corporate nonsense where we make our product worse. We discussed this. You don't go public. You you need, and I think we talked about this, the, the removal of the, the shareholders mm-hmm. from all, where all truly all they care about is their dividend return or whatever they're able to sell the stock for. Uh, you, you need the leadership structure to be closely involved i think with moral decision making such that they feel it weigh on them and then they need to probably have a background and be trained or at least you know even just by their mom and their dad yeah in caring about right and wrong and trying to do things based on principle and not just on profit yeah they do i mean so first of all i'm going to say this and i amazon is absolutely profit focused although they do they don't have a profit because they reinvest it all but they're absolutely money focused but amazon does seem to aggressively maintain the product first focus, at least for now. Uh, like, yeah, they don't pay their workers, but that's not actually for this quarter's profit. That's because the consumers demand low cost and instant shipping. Mm-hmm. And so Amazon completely screws their workers, but it, in the effort of making the best product possible, I think that it seems like Bezos does have a maniacal focus on, on the, the 10 year plan. Yeah. The 20 year, product the 50 year first. plan. Sure, and yeah. product first. He, he does not seem to do that quarterly profit thing that I think a lot of corporations in, yeah. do. Well, I, I think you raise an interesting point, which is this is a short-term decision-making for YouTube. It's not going to put them out of business, but it's like this is one chip against uh, the... I, most people will not like when this. When YouTube is beaten out by a different decentralized Web3 video player, it will be... Uh, accumulation of decisions like this, making people eager for an alternative that does focus on product first. Yes. And so, yeah, I don't think this alone will do it, but I do think this is, and I could be wrong, this is the kind of thing that I think just wouldn't fly at Amazon. Hey, let's do something that people don't want that's going to make our product worse because it's going to make Well, that's not totally true. Happy. So they like, I know they put like the Amazon choice thing higher in rankings. Like it's actually, there's obviously a combination of short-term and long-term decision-making. And quite frankly, uh, customers this there's a a step function of like did i leave that or not and it's like mm-hmm. you can you can weigh them down with crappy 
uh, things that increase short-term profits and not see any sort of movement from leaving your platform. I think that's partially why, is that it's not like a linear, oh, we uh, destroyed the customer experience and tomorrow we saw a decrease in yeah. in users. It's like, no, nothing happened. Well, but We just made more money. But <laughs> it will. This is kind of what I'm saying. Like we did it, we wrote an article about mm-hmm. the X-Men movie franchise. I don't know if people probably never saw it. because no one read our article. So people who I'll give that. you some, some yeah. summary of it. The the tracking for Rotten Tomatoes ratings. Well, why don't you tell? You wrote it. You wrote okay, so this is many years ago. I my question was, I was like, why does X Men First Class, which is an awesome movie, do so bad at the theaters at the box office? And then the one that came after, which was like the Wolverine, do so good. And there's more reasons, which is Hugh Jackman is a bankable character. But one of the things that I think is instructive that is is that if you look at a ratings graph of box office income you know, up and down, up and down. And Rotten Tomatoes, they're all over the place if you mm-hmm. just do a movie to movie. But if you slide it, if you slide the, let me get this correct. Slide the, the Rotten Tomatoes back. back. No, you slide Rotten Tomatoes back, right? You no, sl- you slide the box office back so that the amount of money the movie made is in front of the Rotten Tomatoes rating for the previous movie. Sure. What you see is that, like, the amount of money being made by these tracks very, very well with how well-received the prior movie was, which is to say people make decisions if they could go see the movie not on how good this movie is, but on how good the last movie was. Yeah, so the new new crop of X-Men mutant movie comes out. No one sees it in theaters because the previous movie sucked. I think it was Dark Phoenix with the original Dark Phoenix, and by the way, Apocalypse sucked. Which is why no one went to go see Dark Phoenix, right. which also sucked. And so, <laughs> like, so they're like, oh, the past movie sucked. I'm not going to see this one. But then over the course of being on an airplane or having it show up in Netflix or whatever it is, people see the movie, just not in the theaters, and go, oh, that was actually good. And then they go give it another shot. And that's why the next movie does some well. And some studio exec somewhere is going, oh, wow, Apocalypse just isn't a good villain. I, I seriously wonder if people are making these things. It's like Apocalypse should have been the biggest movie ever. Like, for my generation growing up watching the X-Men cartoons, Apocalypse was primo mm-hmm. comic book villain, one that you really want. And that's right up there, by the way, with Venom, who has been, uh, is done middling in the box office and it hasn't been a, a good movie. So anyway, I don't want to stay on that too much, but there seems to be... Well, I'm saying there's a time delay. If, like, no one's going to stop using YouTube because they get rid of the dislikes. Mm-hmm. So then some YouTube exec will think it was a win. Yes. Not counting for the fact that 95% of the user base thinks this makes their product worse and eventually leaves when a better alternative comes and up. And by the way, this occurs in every business, including our own, which is like, look, when we make uh, a less than best video, we might have our best month ever in terms of income, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, so... Yeah, but good news, dude. I don't even check our income. I only check how <laughs> videos do. Well, yes. It, how they do, it is not just represented by views. It's represented by sentiment. It's represented by upvotes and downvotes. I look at those. Now Bro, I look at those. <laughs> I actually do look at those because I was yeah. I was looking at the Timothy Chalamet video, which lo- just has a bunch of people in the comments who are going, it's because he's handsome, which yeah, yeah. is like, yeah, okay, that's fair. But also, I wonder if this is how most people feel or if this is just people who make comments on Charisma on Command videos. So I checked the, the likes and saw if it did better or worse than our average video. That's a very useful heuristic for me in terms of what videos to make in the future. Mm-hmm. So it will be a bummer when that's not a feature <laughs> well, there, anymore. There is still private well, yeah, but you know what? You don't want to dislike. But the, yeah, you're not your getting. Dislike isn't. This is the funny part. Yeah. When you dislike a YouTube video, it's not meant to be feedback to the creator. 
It's a warning to <laughs> other viewers. It's both. And and what the, what's funny is like what we found is when we didn't publicly do it, people used it less, which was good because we were trying to reduce hate. It's like this is such a ridiculous. Dude, it's a warning these are, to you, other I, people. Everyone at YouTube is so freaking smart. And these are data analysis scientists. And to yeah. trot out that as like, wow, when we made this thing not visible, people used it less. This is like if Therefore, Yelp, it's working. Imagine if Yelp only had five-star reviews. <laughs> Business owners were starting to feel bad yeah. when they got bad reviews. Restaurant owners were upset that... Yes, they had cockroaches in the kitchen, but they don't want to hear about it on the internet. So mm. now you can either not rate a restaurant or give them five stars. Yeah. And we found that that's made restaurant owners much happier. And, and I mean, yeah, that's, that's not helpful to people trying to figure out where to eat. Yeah, well, this this has happened on Netflix. They took away the star rating and they added a percentage for you because, and may, maybe that creates a better experience. I don't know. Maybe it makes it harder for you to find stuff. What related to the corporate thing, I watched most not every moment of the will smith thing that came out on his best shape of my life mm. stuff and i called you a little bit tilted mm -hmm. and i was like dude is will smith pretending to write his own book because as i was going through it and let me just say i there were elements of the show that if you watched it, it's it's will smith he's out of shape he's getting into good shape because he was in the pandemic and so he set this goal to lose x amount of weight and x amount of weeks he also has the additional Wait, sorry, looming deadline of he needs to finish his autobiography. And so there's tension throughout the thing. And it, they, you know, in order to try to make a story compelling, high stakes of the, the trade-offs between um, getting in the best shape, which requires time and effort, and uh, creating time to write his book, which creates time and effort, and is emotionally draining because he's talking about childhood trauma. And I sincerely believe that it can be draining to do that. But what was frustrating to me is that I didn't hear them, at least when I said, talk about Mark Manson, mm. who wrote the book. Mm -hmm. uh, Will Smith discussed things, and I, it was very like, I was like, wait a second. So this guy has like 16 weeks to lose a reasonable amount of weight and discuss his past. Yep. Now, I know that it's challenging to go over trauma, and I don't want to minimize that, but I was like, that this is framed as such a uh, hero's, journey. hero's journey is frustrating. There's an entire, and it was like, this, this is just emblematic of youtube which is it's so out of touch there's an entire team of people at every workout he goes to when he sits down to write the book he's got it on a 75 inch tv on a google doc he's not in front of a computer hardly ever and he's talking about things mm -hmm. to people now maybe he's sitting down in the wee hours of the night cranking it out my impression is that mark manson who wrote the subtle art of not giving a fuck wrote the book like did interviews there might with have him. been other ghost writers as well i don't know if mark <laughs> did it by himself but. yes but he he wrote it right he's on he's he's on the book he wasn't heavily, I didn't hear him mentioned. If he was, he definitely was not heavily featured in the show. I don't know for sure the details, but yes, Mark, I think, was heavily involved in writing that book. Uh, it just reminded, I was like, man, this is so out of touch. There's, yeah, team of people. I just getting, haven't spoken to him. I spoke to him when he got the mm -hmm. book, but I haven't spoken to him since, so I don't know. This, I just, this isn't coming from Mark. This is just my guess is that Mark did a lot of that writing yeah. in terms of putting words on a paper. Yes, and... Uh, I was like, this is, here's a guy who's getting in solid shape with an entire team of people yeah, yeah. who, by the way, he stands up multiple times. Like most people can't afford to stand up a personal trainer while he's in Abu Dhabi or some far-fung place to go dedicate himself wholly to it. And the parts that were interesting that I thought were good were the him discussing his childhood. Mm -hmm. The parts that I found lost me was how hard it is to get in shape and talk about your past at the same time, yeah, yeah. which is like, well, this is the whole Ben Simmons thing. For people who don't know, Ben Simmons doesn't want to play for the 76ers. And so now the thing he's saying is that he's having mental health issues. And so he can't play. 
And the Sixers saying, okay, that's fine. Don't play. Just travel with the team, practice with the team. He's saying, no, I can't do that. I can't do any, I can't do anything. And the people that are most upset at this are actually people who have mental health issues Mm -hmm. because they're saying, I have very serious mental health issues. I don't know if Ben Simmons does or doesn't, but even if he does, like I have to go to work. I have to figure out a way to like function in some capacity. And it, it seems like there's just this whole, it's like a spit in the face to a guy who won't, don't, you don't even have to play the game. Just show up and travel with your team and you'll get $30 million a year. And he's like, he's saying he can't. And people are saying, I, have, I am suicidally depressed, but I don't have the option to just get $30 million a year. I have to go to work or else I'll get fired. And it seems like Will Smith's in a similar boat of like, it's, it's not that it's easy to talk about your trauma. It's not that it's easy to get in shape. Mm-hmm. It's weird to act like it's superhumanly heroic or like it's, a abnormally hard mountain to climb. And, he, and I don't blame him for that. I blame, by the way, because he didn't... No, it's the Somebody editors. else shot it, it's edited editors, it, yeah. created it, and like told this tale. I was like, this is... It, it felt tone deaf to me. So the parts that I liked, and it's like, I don't actually blame Will Smith for any of this. You're allowed to be rich and unhappy or rich and frustrated or rich and overwhelmed. Like, all of that is totally fine. It's the decision to broadcast this is the, is the issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what I thought was interesting is, you know, because I've seen for Charisma on Command a or lot Or broadcast of, it, but just don't just don't make it seem like it's big. Just be like, hey, like everyone else, I got a little bit in worse shape since the yeah. pandemic. I'm going to try to get in better shape. And this is me trying to do it. It's, yeah. just, it's not superhuman, but mm-hmm. it's what it is. So like tune in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, it felt uh, that that to me felt tone deaf. The parts that I did like were him reviewing his past through a different lens. I've seen him talk about his past and his dad and the work ethic and how good it was and drive and I will stay on this treadmill till I die. And having him review those lessons with fresher eyes, eyes, older eyes, how it affected him, how it has made him relate to his own emotions, how it made him raise his kids, how, I mean, he's told the story before, but um, when his daughter Willow was, you know, I whipped my hair back and forth after her like, first show or second show she's like okay i'm ready to go home now he's like what do you mean it's not we're not done like the mission isn't over she's like but but don't you care that i'm done <laughs> and he's like uh then he woke up in the morning and she shaved her head <laughs> she was nine years old that's awesome <laughs> she just shaved her head <laughs> wait sorry this was when shooting the video or this was on touring this is when touring he woke up the next morning she's like hi daddy and she had no hair because she wanted to stop touring and go home she was just done she was over whipping her hair back and forth, um, which, by the way, is like, yeah, don't put a little girl on That's awesome. stage. Good for and her. I was like, and I was like, you know what? What a gift to have her teach you that lesson. You know, like, and he and he says it. He's like, that was something clicked in me yeah. that day. And he talks about how such from, a boss move for a nine year old. He talks about it from oldest to youngest how they got different experiences of him. You know, and like how he softened over the course of it. And he's like, that was the moment that I actually got it. And my other, my two older sons, Jaden and I think Trey, didn't get that compassionate understanding mm-hmm. side of me um but yeah it was it's interesting to see i think it's very common in the first half of your life if things turn out pretty well there's a lionization of everything that your parents did mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's like fucking it was it was pregnant he taught me we built this brick by brick and he's and he's told these stories in the past and like my dad said you complete the mission or you die and i knew that day that i was gonna do it and it was like oh great that's amazing. And by the way, the mission was he had to go pick up food from the store and he stopped to play with his friend on the way home. And his dad came and found him 
and said, you're either dead or the mission is complete. And that, you know, that transformed his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to have him reflect on that and be like, also my dad, which he mentioned in the past, he's like, I watched him beat my mom. I watched him uh, and I, you know, just learned that I had to please him and entertain and keep everybody laughing in order to keep things going. And the part that I did kind of enjoy about the fitness was he's like, I'm getting in the best shape of my life for these cameras. He's like, the cameras are getting in the way of me getting in the best shape of my life. Like I'm trying to put on a show for you and shoot B-roll and, and talk about my workout. And I'm instead of working out (laughs) instead of like doing it. Mm. uh, And he's like, I'm done, which seemed, and I agree like, Oh, that's growth for you. Yeah. That's, That's great. That's awesome. So is that the last footage they have of him working out? It's mostly like there's not a lot after that. That's there's awesome. there's like, you know, he continues to do it, not as regimented, more sporadically as he can, given the amount of like grueling work for him it is to review his past and cry about it and share it with his family. Um, he continues to work, but just not as hard. And I was like, okay, that like it's it's a still a really interesting story, mm. and uh, that part for me is the emotional core. And I, the, you know, notwithstanding what I said about, I think the decision to make it a, a hero's journey of getting in shape is so hard when you have. 30 people helping you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I did, I enjoyed those aspects yeah. of it, which was, and it was just interesting to see him reflect on the same stories that I've heard him tell in interviews from the 90s and 2000s with a very different understanding of both sides of it. It's like, yes, it made me Will Smith, and it also made me literally not in touch with any of my emotions. Well, this is the question that I have just in general, which is it's so recognizing that at 50 or however old he is, and then changing your ways or recognizing that when you become a parent. That's, that seems really valuable. But I also wonder, not for the beating of his mom, but for the hard for being hard on him, if it's appropriate to be genuinely grateful for that because he did become who he is and get out of the hood and become incredibly successful and achieve his dreams. And I wonder if it's... I, I, I wonder if at the end of the day, he'll reach a place where he's not sad about it and just goes, it was great for me in some ways. And it's time for me to shed a lot of the symptoms of it that I still retain as an adult. Mm -hmm. I think so. What I've learned with regards to that, and I think um, any lesson can can take you in the wrong direction. The one is like, oh, I should be grateful for this because it helped. And what has helped me lately that I think he experienced was like, you know, it hurt, but it made me Will Smith. And every time he thought about how it upset him, he's like, but but I'm here, so mm-hmm. I can't be upset about it. And probably what he did, or sort of I saw a little bit in the thing, was created space to just be fucking pissed about it. To just be like, you beat up my mom. You made me an entertainer. You made me a clown. Uh, and I don't want to thank you in this moment for the fact that I also got rich as well. Well, yeah, I also don't want to do, let's not do the smash technique. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from Kathy Newman video. Chris McMahon fans, <laughs> let's not eat, let's not lump beating your mom and telling you that if you're going to pick up food for the family, you should deliver the food and then go to your friend's house after and not do reverse order. Those seems like those are two different lessons. So like complete the mission seems like it should be categorized differently than I'm going to beat your mom because I'm upset. You know what I'm saying? It was it was all tied together because it's like everything from you came with terror. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like everything related to you. Like, what does it mean if I'm, I complete the mission or I'm dead? Who's going to kill me? You know what I mean? Like, those those are tied together. Like, the severity with which he could get angry, it's unclear to a kid when that line gets crossed. Um, so I, I don't think it's totally inappropriate to lump upsetting dad with the incidents where sometimes he was upset and he hit people, and including Will. Like, yes. 
But learning the importance of completing something may have been how he was able to get his first record published. Like there's, there might be... Well, the, yes. You can imagine a dad teaching that lesson and then not beating the mom and yeah, having yeah. it be a better, <laughs> like well, so having it be good. How does one learn to complete something? One way to do it is say, you, I'll kill you if mm-hmm. you don't do it. That's one way to learn to complete something. Another way to learn to complete something is to say, it's generally a good idea to complete what you do because, you know what I mean? There's, there's sure. a more subtle way to teach that. Just go, hey, me and your mom are sitting at home hungry because you have the food mm-hmm. and you're at your friend's house. Yeah. <laughs> Which would be great if we could have the food first. Mm-hmm. It's just not a bad lesson on its own, I guess so. Like the, yes, packaging it as, or I'll kill you is obviously the part where it becomes yeah, and he, and bad. He, yes. Or, or something is going horribly, terribly wrong. Um, and again, I think, and I think today he doesn't hate his dad. His dad is dead um, or anything like that, but I think has a more nuanced understanding of, of him and also sees the similarities in how he was. And I think feels guilty for his he sort of talks about with his first sons. Um, he talked a little bit, which was interesting. I would have liked to see more about after earth. And how he felt like he was like bringing Jaden in. They like were going to do it and had to win. And it was like the worst box office and critical failure. And he's like, and Jaden took the heat. Like everyone was like, Will is great. Jaden sucks. Um, and well, so wasn't their first movie together, Pursuit of Happiness, which was lauded as an incredible Yes, that was film. when Jaden was very little. Well, that's it, what I'm saying. Their first film was yeah. incredible and very well received by critics. Yes, I guess the, I, be, I guess After Earth was the first one where Jaden was closer to, he wasn't yet there, but an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, well, Jaden's arc is interesting. I didn't know this until I was making this most recent Will Smith video, but Jaden, he, I remember him being super hated. And I guess what I didn't realize is the come up where he made uh, Icon or Iconic, mm-hmm. the, and then it was incredibly popular. And then he thought that there was too much plastic in the ocean. So he launched a water ball water bottle company that does cardboard box water bottle which is super popular and i see in whole foods and airports really? yeah i didn't know that yeah no one knows that it's him well not no one someone's gonna be like i knew but it's just interesting he yeah he's had this I huge knew the icon up. living I, I mean i knew that one he, yeah he basically just saw plastic in the ocean while he was surfing and said that's really fucked up and then looked into it and said this seems like a big problem and then launched an entire brand that simultaneously helps consumers in the u.s buy non-plastic bottles and then also helps get clean water to people who don't have access to clean water. He just cool. did it because he wanted to help. Interesting. So yeah, he's had this whole interesting. He's come had, up he's had a, yeah, he's, that he's, people don't really know about. I don't think, well, I think he's, he's no longer in the, uh, he was very poorly received. And I think with the younger generation, he's less so, but for those of us who were alive when after earth came out and he seemed to be a drag on Will Smith, who by the way, hasn't really had a huge box office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a while. Um, yeah, that it clearly wasn't his fault because he, he picked movies without Jaden that <laughs> that just tanked. Um, so yeah, anyway, it was, it was an interesting an interesting series at the end that I did enjoy elements of and just disliked the. Uh, oh my god, it's so hard to get in shape with thirty people yeah. <laughs> and taking you to Abu Dhabi to try to lose a pound a week. Who could possibly manage such a thing? Um, but I don't blame him for that. I, I, I that was the narrative arc that they decided that this tale needed to have. So. Anyways, what else you got? Well, this is this is a little bit about uh, sensationalism. We've talked about this. You did videos on Trump and how he used to attack everybody in the primary. And then I think everybody's kind of, they're like, oh, I wish we could get back to the days where, you know, pol- politics was about the policies and it wasn't attacking character and stuff like that. And I happen to stumble upon this John McCain video that I want to show you because uh, I think it's awesome. I don't know if Justin, you have it teed up. We're scared. 
Um, we're scared of an Obama presidency, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> I'm concerned about, um, you know, someone that, you know, cohorts with uh, domestic terrorists such as heirs. I have to tell you, he is a decent person and a person that you do not have to be scared as president of the United States. Now, I, I just, now I just, now, now look, I, I. But it's also like, <laughs> he's an Arab. He's like, no, he's not. He's decent. <laughs> well, no, no, like, no, no. Because he's cutting off. It was the birth certificate. I know. I Remember, know. he's yeah, not yeah. a U.S. citizen. I don't yeah, trust yeah. him. It's and just, I watched that. I, goes, I was like, man, that's awesome that he didn't take the cheap shot. He defended his opponent and he lost. And I was like, oh man, this would be so great. Like I would, I love for politicians to get back to this, to defending each other's character and just having policy debates. And I think if Trump had run instead of him in that election, he probably would have beaten Obama because he would have just- Oh, I don't know about that. Aggressively Obama, Obama going. was, he was amazing uh, as a candidate. He was yeah, incredible. he would have just, dude, he would have just trumped it though. He would have just stirred up Maybe. all that birther shenanigans. Yeah. You know, he just would have gone for stuff that wasn't true. He definitely would have done better John McCain. Let's, let's put it that way. And so I was watching this and I went, well- this is a bummer because that's awesome and admirable and you wish it would be how people would run in the future, but also apparently not a good strategy if you actually want to be president. This is what sucks about democracy is uh, that, and look, I'm just picking on her, that she gets to vote just as much as anyone else. And if mm -hmm. she's in a, uh, a state that is hotly contested like Florida, her vote counts. And me being in California, my vote just doesn't count. <laughs> like, yeah. thanks to the Electoral College. So it's, it uh, is a huge bummer that democracy has built into it i mean i actually I, we've talked about this in the past it is democracy as a uh universal perfect good is in is an idea that is new and i think that there is something to the fear of populist government now i don't have a better solution in terms of oh we'll just have a couple of technocrats or elite people do it because they seem to be screwy and mm -hmm. they'll, they'll just create stuff that benefits them but it's uh there's a lot of issues with, with letting, even if you had perfect democratic votes of things, like you'd see horrible governance. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, I wonder if we could destroy the world faster if we had a democratic vote on, <laughs> on just so many issues. Yeah. Um, this is, I don't want to move away too quickly, but I was reminded of you were doing it of, of um, Dave Portnoy, who is, we talked about how he's like received a bunch of these allegations against him. And he's succeeding by playing the dirty game Instead of like, he could have just been like, these aren't true. I'm not going to talk about X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to poke. But instead he has thrown everything at the wall. And like one of them, he retweeted a guy who said like, these guys at, you know, Business Insider Morning Brew admit to using misinformation. And I clicked the link and it was a guy saying like, the way to go viral is just, you know, you got to just throw a lot of darts and see what sticks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nothing in that indicates misinformation. Mm-hmm. That means just like tweet a lot. You could tweet a lot of true things. But And I looked at Dave's wall. Like the leaps that he makes in order to uh, put down the people that have come at him are bad faith. They are the well, this same is- type of attack that was received against him is the one that he's responding with. And it's working. This is kind of <laughs> what I'm saying. Like what they, they've seen that when you – what goes viral isn't necessarily the most comprehensive – accurate report it's the thing that incenses you or i mean mostly enraging is the number one thing that gets you to share and fear is another thing that gets you to share and that's with presidential elections too and so when john mccain runs on there's nothing to be scared of with obama in terms of his character but i'll make policy that i think is better it's just less effective than when you run on this person is going to destroy your way of life. Bro, I just saw a thing on Reddit that is, if the Republicans win in 2020 and 2022, it's the end of our democracy. Exactly. You need, like, and so, and so unfortunately. And, and, and by the, all the comments are like, oh yeah, but that's true. It's actually true because they're going to, and it's actually the end of democracy. Yeah, like 20, mark it on your calendars, 2020, 2022, democracy ends in the United States of America. It's unfortunately but not But it a existed bad, up until 2019 or whatever. Or, sorry, not, 2022, 2024. I said that wrong. It's not a bad strategy because what you need no very very few people change their mind and vote back and forth between the parties so it's all about voter turnout people will turn out if they're terrified mm-hmm. if you actually thought you you never vote in presidential elections if you actually thought that the governor let's say because you don't think that california is going to go blue no matter what but let's say the governor mm-hmm. was going to destroy oh, your yeah. life come at your house with pitchforks flay you you'd go vote I'd move first <laughs> and vote second, but yeah. Yeah, so that's the thing. It's like, it's unfortunately fear and rage get at, get people to take action. And so people have learned the McCain thing doesn't work as much as you love to see it. We don't back it with our voter turnout or our votes. And so it, it, evolutionarily, it's just been beaten out of the political system. But I will say at the same time, yes, and long-term, it's... I think better than it's ever been in terms of like uh, most people know that their actual lives are not threatened, which I don't know was always the case. In, in oh, sorry. I thought you were saying the political system's the yeah, best yeah. it's ever been in terms of collaborating, which I don't agree with. But you're saying that human life, no matter who is president in the U.S., seems to keep on trucking. And around the world. Um, now, granted, uh, the wine, the wine signs talk about like yes, things have gotten better, but the risk of one person touching one button and exploding the whole thing has also gone up. So yeah, like, yeah. it could literally end tomorrow in a way that it. Well, I actually we talked about this, so I'll just keep it brief. But the your contentment in life is anchored to your expectations and the performance of your neighbors. And so, yes, if you took a lot of people, even if they're in poor areas, and just dropped them off in the twenties or forties or fifties with the amount of food and technology they have, they would be, they would instantly feel incredibly fortunate. Mm-hmm. But the fact that human quality of life on average is rising doesn't matter because if the wealth gap rises or if people's expectations are, are anchored really high, then 
dissatisfaction is going to be at an all-time high. Mm-hmm. And so I get what you're saying in terms of, yeah, things like compared to the history of humanity, things are actually great even for the people that wish that their lot was better. But that doesn't matter because if their expectations, if the gap between reality and expectation or reality and what you see in your neighbors, that's what determines satisfaction. So yeah. People could be less satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think uh, probably dissatisfaction could be at an all time high, even while quality of life on average is also at an all time high. Hmm. Well then with that, I guess I still, it's too broad to say, but I still see an upward trajectory. And that, that is because I think, the opportunity to be dissatisfied is almost like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs stage higher than like, I don't have food and shelter at which point like dissatisfaction is almost a strange word to, to, but I don't think it feels, I actually genuinely don't think it feels that way. Mm -hmm. Like I think I agree that in terms of your psychic, in terms of your, your psychic and psychological experience day to day, if you're just back in the day of being a farmer and you're kind of hungry all the time, you're a kid, you got to go out there and do the work of planting stuff and harvesting stuff, mm-hmm. but that's just how it is. You could be happy, I think, even though you're a little bit hungry all the time, or even though one of your six siblings died of disease that was, would be heartbreaking today. You just go, yeah, like this is, this is the path and it's all, it's all good, actually. You know, it's hard, but it's good. And I think you could have a much better lot in life today, but be genuinely like more anxious, more depressed, more angry, by every metric, more unhappy. So, I, so mm-hmm. I do think it's um, the experiential part is real. Yes, I agree. And within that, I st- I do see an, an upward, quote unquote, evolution of like, couldn't even really have the time to be dissatisfied because no, I had very little to compare it to. Oh my gosh, I have so much to compare it to. I actually feel worse than I would have back then potentially. But from that dissatisfaction become other realizations that, that might take you to a, um, you know, Maslow's hierarchy or spiral dynamics higher level. Yeah. Maybe. But unfortunately, what there's also could be some generations in between of just like, man, this sucks and I'm well, totally dissatisfied because other people have more than me and they have better plastic surgery than I do. And <laughs> NFTs have really bummed me out in terms of the next stage of human evolution. Because I, for a while, was of the, mean, of the mindset that between VR and AI, we would reach a point where there was no scarcity. Mm-hmm. Just, just for the first time in human existence, abundance for everyone. At which point I think you could have a fully focused society on enlightenment or whatever it want to be, spirituality, consciousness, betterment of other people, because you have no scarcity. And then NFTs came around. I was like, oh, we're going to try to just duplicate scarcity mm-hmm. in the virtual world because of the hunger for status and prestige and all yeah. that stuff. So in terms of like that upward trajectory that you were just talking about, it could be the case, but I... I It'll be slower, I guess, than I thought. When I saw that come out, I was like, oh, we're just going to try really hard to replicate this wealth gap well, in Naval, the VR world. Naval talks about it and in a way that made more sense to me, which is like, look, we still have most of our lives in the physical space. And so having a digital world that doesn't closely analog to the physical space doesn't make sense yet because there is real world scarcity. And so when an artist makes a piece it took him a, you know, he has a scarce amount of time mm-hmm. and a scarce amount of resources and energy with which to do that. So being able to recreate that scarcity at this stage in the digital world is important because we still live primarily in a real world of scarcity such that if we got to a point where we had increasing abundance in the real world, it would make more sense to map that to the digital world, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was an interesting take but i i had well the yeah same. but then that's the same so unfortunately that's the same problem we had pre-vr which is mm-hmm. 
how do you create abundance? How do you create abundance in the, physical <laughs> in, world? In, in, in the meat space? When, popula- yeah. when land is fixed, <laughs> water's fixed, populations are growing, you know? So psychedelics, dude. <laughs> yeah, you change your perception, right? Um, yes. I, I, that seems to be the only way. I mean, the greatest, yeah, the greatest gift you could ever give someone, I think, is, is having them be able to recode their expectations for life. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would be the greatest gift if you were solving for happiness. Yes. I mean, Tony, Tony says something. Trade your, uh, what is it? Your expectations for appreciation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not easy to do. No, no, but I think that would be the single fastest way to create a happy human. I agree. Yeah, no, if, if, if every day you woke up and men in black flashy thinged and you, you know, thought you were in some slum the night before, you woke up in your house. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you turn on the water, like, what? Yeah, I mean, yeah. every day would just be thrilling. Now, it would kind of be like Groundhog Day because you, <laughs> you wouldn't get much done. Um, and then eventually you would die happy in your house of <laughs> discovering water for the first time after 100 days in a row. Um, totally random. So I last night I watched a video. So Jordan Peterson's daughter, Michaela, is getting a divorce. Mm. And I didn't know what to make of it. I was like, should I even talk about this? Because I don't have a take. But I just bring it up because the feeling that I had, I was like, I think this exposes a weakness in Jordan's philosophy about the world, honestly. And I don't think the fact that she got divorced did. But I've heard him talk about relationships in a way, you know, this is the, the most important, best, and only thing to do once you hit a certain level of maturity. Sorry, so you and I have talked about the software, but can you just start by saying, like, give your summary so of, of Jordan what, Peterson's of my, of what I believe Jordan has said. Philosophy said, yeah. is, and then we can talk about why the divorce. Got it. So broadly, it. well, I don't even know if it counters it, but what things that I've heard him say include: he's talked about professional athletes and been like, you know, the the it is the conquest, which I agree uh, for more and more women at some point is simultaneously remarkable that you can do that and unfulfilling and really what you ought to do is be able to get a lot of different women if you're a professional athlete but choose one because that is where the fulfillment of life yeah. comes from that's that's the jordan peterson take yes and i've found that to be unsatisfying because when challenged people be like well what about this They'll be like well what else are you going to do like mm-hmm. it's 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 not a very complete discussion of being single or polyamory or of the dangers of uh, attaching yourself to one person and saying it's going to be forever in, by the way, I think it made more sense in Jordan's upbringing in his small town. I think his daughter had a very different life than he is. is mm-hmm. exposed to a lot more things, a lot more options. And I think that uh, we need a, either a, a, we need a better defense of marriage than I think that he's, yeah. than he's given quite well, frankly. From for for our new for our society, and I've been dissatisfied with with what he's done and it breaking down so close to him. I I would be very interested in what he had to say because I think it does expose like, hey, attaching yourself to someone else is maybe not always the best. Maybe it's a risky endeavor. Maybe it's you know what I mean. Maybe well, it it's definitely risky. I mean, his whole his whole medically induced coma came from drug withdrawal that came from mental anguish he had because his he thought his wife was going to die. Mm-hmm. Like that whole spiral came from that loss being so painful. So, yes. so, so certainly it comes with the risk of uh, emotional pain. And I think he would say that it's well worth it, but it's definitely not all upside to be mm-hmm. in a monogamous marriage. But I don't think he would say it was. I agree. I What I've felt in the past is that he has not adequately addressed, like he talks about um, clearly and I think eloquently about the downsides of serial encounters and 
oftentimes the lack of fulfillment that can result from that. Oh, you think that he's... Paid? I don't think he's given the, the devil its due got with it. regards to marriage, which yeah, is like, that's fair. it's got a lot of downsides and it's got a huge problem and it doesn't work out most of the time and people often dislike each other to the point of never wanting to hang out again, yeah. even after having created children together. Like, and I'm not saying that's the case with his daughter and her. I don't know what their situation is. And I, I don't know if this is going to cause it, but I've wanted from him a more complete addressing of the seriousness and the complexity of the issue of setting yourself up with someone else and also an acknowledgement of the fact that as technology is advanced and as we're able to supplant a lot of the reasons that people did get married, which is like you needed kids to till the farm, you needed someone to take care of and you were old. It's like increasingly there's an app for that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm open to it, but like give me a full-throated defense of it in modern society that acknowledges the sincere and serious downsides to lifelong commitment and marriage, which, you know, one of them being divorce. And I, uh, you know, it's fine if he can't do that, but I'm, this is something that I think about consistently in my day to day. And the, I, the person that I want to talk to the most is Russell Brand. <laughs> really? Quite for, uh, related to this. I pick Clooney. Clooney is interesting too. Like the guys that- That's the guy, if I could have one, listen, yeah. we're both going to take truth serum. We're not going to put on <laughs> air and we're just going to sit and chat about relationships and marriage and monogamy and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. George Clooney is a guy I want to sit across the table from for sure. Yeah, well, it's I, I would say it's broadly speaking, it's the guys that I know have gone to the, or I think have gone to the absolute bottom of the experience of doing whatever you want yep. sexually and dating and having famous and less famous and public relationships who have, who have done all of yep. that so Russell and be, chosen something else. Russ will be awesome to talk to as well. Yeah. His, he does have a penchant for addiction mm -hmm. that I think might make being single more dangerous and less fulfilling mm -hmm. because it's, I think my impression is it's tough for him to engage in casual relationships without it becoming um, compulsive mm -hmm. and addictive. And so I think that for him, marriage might also be a way to actually free himself from that cycle mm -hmm. where he's like, me being single is just me becoming addicted to sex, basically. That, that would, it's my hypothesis for part of it based on what I've seen him talk about. Yeah. I'd also, I mean, I'd, I'd be curious of Michaela's perspective, you know, growing up with her, with a dad that has uh, pretty conservative perceptions of marriage and, mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff and having an experience that I'm sure was not easy for her to step away for any, we're going to get a divorce. I'd be super interested in her, what she thinks about it and what, yeah. what she reflects on, on that. So Justin, I actually, could you just go ahead and get George Clooney and Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> and we'll just sit down. Charlie and I'll just moderate. We can just Leonardo have them DiCaprio discuss. Is another interesting guy. I just want to hear them discuss Leonardo lifelong DiCaprio. single versus. So Leonardo kids. DiCaprio is a, uh, private person. It mm -hmm. seems like, like only really shows up to talk about things has, uh, it's a running joke in Hollywood. Quite frankly, I don't know how he hasn't gone down for me too, that his girlfriends are always very, very young comparatively Well, to not like 19. They're like 24. I think he starts dating some at 19. I, I, I could be wrong. Well, I don't know. I think, and, and which is... Uh, I'd be surprised. But yeah. Which by the way, which I, I think, and we talked about this last time, like uh, I think that that's, you should be able to date a 19-year-old without having the... Uh, Twitter descend upon you uh, and and say that this is an abuse of power or something like that. Otherwise, well, and while I do agree that that can occur in those situations, and it's probably not the wisest decision, uh, we want to treat people like adults when, when they're adults. And otherwise, if they can't make decisions about who they have sex with, it doesn't really make sense for them to be 
decide and go to war voting for U.S. president. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you need that, you need basic agency and responsibility in order to make those decisions. So, yeah, talk to Leo as well if he wants to come on. All right, so Justin, <laughs> it's George Clooney, Leonardo DiCaprio. Get him okay. to answer the question that he's never answered in front of anyone ever before, Set that which up. is what's up with all the young girlfriends, yeah. dude? Like, well, how are you fulfilled? And the stories I will tell you in LA, which I, I normally wouldn't repeat, but increasingly they're, they're like turning out to be true. Like everyone was saying, you know, Will Smith is a swinger and he and his wife way before the August Alcina thing. Oh yeah, yeah. And then he writes his book. It's like, I was doing it too. It's like, it's all true. <laughs> they, yeah, they were rumored to be open. When I was doing open relationships, they were rumored to be open. That was like- I was like, I don't buy ago. it. I don't buy it. And then, and then he writes it and it's true. So uh, the stories that you hear about Leonardo DiCaprio, which are complete, what is the word? There's no You're basis di- upon this. Yeah, yeah. But it's like from the person who was at the party that said that, uh, yeah, he has a lot of random sex with people at parties. And the story that I heard is he has uh, an assistant who will like show you out <laughs> afterwards in a polite, I wonder but, if he does NDAs. firm way. Um, I have no idea. Well, that might be why no one comes out. Maybe. Who knows? The old, the old NDA. Who knows? Um, anyway, that was total hearsay. So. Take to you know that in a quarter will buy you a pack of gum in 1950. So, <laughs> anything else? Uh, yeah, this was just I, I wanted to give you this pitch live because I think that we have our next new hire for our business. Got it. It's the, my favorite email that I've ever received. So, subject charisma on demand YouTube channel. Don't be mean. <laughs> Hi, Ben and Chris. <laughs> I would like to offer you services running your YouTube ads. This is the best email I've ever gotten. I love it so much. So I just want to say to whoever wrote that email, thank you, and you're hired. Yeah, it, uh, that's the whole email. No, no, I'm not going to bore everyone with the details, but it's just the best. It's just awesome. Like, yeah. uh, it, and it made me. I, I won't go bad on anyone, but I know that there are teachers out there who talk about business and networking and copywriting, and a lot of them they will say to just spam people, just send a hundred emails a day. And that might work, but every single person that I know of that ended up with a mentor or a job, they did not do it that way. They did it with very targeted, very sniper. thoughtful they went sniper, sniper yeah. outreach. Uh, it always trumps those kind of garbage, hey, Ben and Chris, Chris on demand emails. I, I do I, notice that. When I think of the networkers, there's the, if you want to call the one, the shotgun approach, which like tries to keep in touch with everybody. I can think dude, of one person that I know that kind of does that pretty well. It is so common though, when you buy an online business course or you go to some like rah-rah two-day seminar, that that's the advice. Mm-hmm. That they, that I, I, will, I can think of several online gurus that well, tell I'll, people I'll, to do that. that. Oh, you're going to be a copywriter? Send these. Oh, you want to do sales? Like do that. And they're completely untargeted and they email us. <laughs> like, sometimes people ask us if we want help with our mobile app mm-hmm. for like a game or something. Like you don't even know what our company does. This was such a waste of time for you to write this. Yeah. And then I think the people who actually have gotten great mentorships or jobs, and it's always been so much more specific, researching the person, figuring out what they're working on, giving following them a, up with them. And it's, and it's almost always follow up is important. Like in buying a, way a that ticket is, to their event, spending $300 yeah, yeah, yeah. to get in person with them, to give them a book. That was the first interaction for someone. I bought, I bought a ticket to the event. I went up, I said, Hey, I, I saw a video of yours and I thought you might like this book. And the guy went, Oh my God, I've been thinking about buying this book. And then they exchanged emails and then he followed up a week later or a month later, whatever and that, it is. And it's also and playing it the long game. Yeah, yeah. And then he got a job. 
at, the, at the his long dream game. company. The long game is what does it as well, which is you you are willing to maintain contact, not every day, but over a period of weeks and sometimes months is, is a common thread as well. If you're trying to break into someone's who is tough to get to is like inner circle or be part of their company. So, no, I agree. I said there was one person who does the shotgun, but I realized that's not to meet people. That's to maintain relationships. I was thinking of Jordan Harbinger, who uh, has said that he like has like a list and he just will text two or three people a day and then cross them off the list and move down such that his extended network of people who've been on his podcast, and I guess I'm on there somewhere, will receive a check-in like every couple of months. Yes. And I don't think he does it as religiously anymore, but like... I have received from him, and I, I believe that many other people have, like, one or two line check-ins. Hey, saw this, thought of you type things. Yeah. He's very, uh, keeps a loose, broad network. I'll give you a big difference. Yeah. I consider him a peer. Mm-hmm. I've met him in person. I already like him. Mm-hmm. So when he hits me up, even if I'm like, oh, like. I'm on the I, list. I'm on the list. <laughs> I actually am happy to be on that list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think that he, to follow his strategy with a stranger I totally yeah, agree. Yeah. You, so it, it's not, it doesn't work for reach out. It works for potentially continuing. Stay in touch yeah. with acquaintances. It's mm-hmm. a great strategy. Peers that already like you, I think that totally actually does does work. I think that's a great mm-hmm. idea. Um, but yeah, so I just got that email and I laughed. I loved it. Cold email, yeah. Um, I'll say this before we get to questions. If you do want to know how to start a business or you have a business and it's not going well, instead of going with those shitty gurus that are going to have you emailing Ben and Chris, check out ebonpagantraining.com slash charisma for marketing step-by-step. It's a sponsor for our podcast and it is, in my opinion, one of the absolute greatest resources for entrepreneurs and business owners that exists and shaped Charisma on Command in very meaningful ways and is a huge part of why we were successful. So not about networking, just FYI. It's about no. marketing. <laughs> no, it's about marketing. It's about, but that's what I'm saying. If you want to start a business or if you want to grow your business, instead of going to these crappy gurus go to evanpagantraining.com slash charisma i didn't know i was going to do that segue but it seems right it fits what we said in the past and i'll say again is it is the foundational thing that i that i tell anyone to start with uh, potentially after the four-hour work week which kind of like creates the dream of like oh why would you want your business you can travel you can do these kinds of cool things okay what do you need to do now check out marketing step by step yeah anyone who says i i want to start a business or i have a business and it's not making as much as i want or i'm not trying to get clients or whatever anything along those lines it's it's the, mm-hmm. i think the best resource best starter for, for sure how to make your business succeed and grow mm-hmm. cool do we Two have questions? questions yep all right so the first one is in response to uh last week when charlie talked about having a bad therapist do you mm. remember this? Yes. Yeah. So uh, they just said it would be interesting to hear Charlie speak on what made that therapist bad, <laughs> because it's not a topic that I believe gets discussed often. Oh well, I this mean, one, this one's easy. Yeah. This was a person who did not have strong command of the English language. I mean, it was it was bad. Like, didn't understand what I was saying. Um, at a at a base level, seemed incredibly rushed for time. Like, uh, didn't feel engaged with the conversation and. Okay, gotta go. You know, like like that type of thing, like that, which is which you don't want to do in therapy. Sometimes you want to be like, hey, just so you know, like we're coming down to five minutes, like it, like so you can wind things down. Because part of what you're trying to signal in therapy is that I value what you have to say, mm-hmm. and it was just not at all that. And then some of the advice I can't remember because now it's been such a long time. Um, I thought, and and some people can disagree with their therapist, but I, I've 
had experience with therapy and with charisma on command and with stuff. And I was like, this is just dead wrong. It was the, it was like, well, you probably shouldn't tell them that cause it's going to upset them. You know, I was just <laughs> like, this is like, this is just bad advice. Yeah. Like this is, um, so that, that for me, I, it was remarkably bad, that particular one. Um, so, and then, and then in the follow-up, they had uh, like a reach out, like, Hey, would you like to do another? Like this person contacted me, uh, you know, over weeks and months later, like, when they clearly needed some dinero. Yeah. Um, it was really poor. And that was one of the unfortunate things I liked. Like I had a good therapist. This was via BetterHelp on BetterHelp. Um, I, the first one that I had, I was like, this guy's good. Um, not, not world-class. I think, I feel like I found truly fucking incredible therapists and they're super duper expensive <laughs> in LA, but the first guy was good. Uh, and this person was so bad that we stopped working with BetterHelp after that. So it was a bummer. <laughs> bummer to, to have that. And also a bummer that there was no system by which I could be like, get rid of this person. Um, okay. Is there anything else you want to do? I don't know what to say. I feel bad. But yeah, I mean, we talked after that. We asked the BetterHelp people if they could create some sort of rating system for their therapists so that you would know who's good and who's bad. But they said that that's either... It's very frowned upon by the therapists or it creates a bad dynamic and or it something. Can. And I totally, it's, you don't want the ease that Yelp has with a therapist. Cause the other thing is like a good therapist can get a bad review from a bad unvetted client. Mm-hmm. That's what, but I think that's part of the difficulty with setting up these marketplaces, which is you're not, I know there's a screen on the therapist, but in my opinion, it's like a, did you pass these credentials? Not, are you good? Mm-hmm. And there's no screen on the incoming, which is like, are you a good candidate for therapy? Like, mm-hmm. And so th- in that kind of a market system, ratings are necessary, but it can also are easily corruptible. So I understand it, but it's, it's, I think it's a, it's a fundamental problem with it. But at the same time, I could see the use of something like BetterHelp because it does give cheap access to therapy. Like the therapists that I'm talking about that I think are world-class, they know it and they're damn expensive, man. Also, you live in LA. So if yeah. you live in the middle of nowhere... You might literally live in a town that doesn't have therapists. So, and in which case, and this is a thing I wouldn't advise against BetterHelp, but what I've told anybody who's ever asked is like, try it. We were lucky enough. I don't know if it still exists. You could probably find it. I think it's betterhelp.com slash charisma. We set up, I don't know if it still exists with them, a free trial. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it still works, but like your first one was free, I think. If, if, cause that was like, hey, we, we don't know how to do this in a way where we can recommend this, but not cost people money. So, Give it a look. It might still be out there. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. That link might be dead. I mean, we had a not unpleasant separating, but we had a separating where we just said we can't we can't promote this unless we can get ratings or guarantees yeah. or whatever. And then they, they said they can't do that for us because it's not their business model. And so it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I actually do understand why BetterHelp would be helpful for someone who lives in a town that doesn't have therapists with parents who aren't yeah. at all understanding, think that you know, any sort of getting in touch with your emotions is weakness or woo woo or whatever it might be. Uh, It'd be great, man. So yeah, if you're just in some, if you're just in some random town, I think it's worth it's a try. Help, if you, if you, I think it yes. make sense. Yeah, I definitely think it's worth a try. And I've, and I've have recommended it to be many people that, that are in different circumstances than my own. All right. Last one I have is I was raised by a very religious family and was a devout Christian myself until two years ago when I left the religion. Wow. I left for many reasons, the biggest being that I was simply unconvinced by the available evidence that Christianity is a correct view of the world, 
um, and I have had a few discussions with my parents recently about my current views, and thankfully they've not been angry with me, although I can sense a little disappointment. With the holiday season approaching, I was curious how you think I should handle the events surrounding going to a Christmas church service with them. Uh, For context, my dad works in this church, and both my parents are very involved in the community there, and I'm sure are going to want to introduce me to everyone when I visit for the holidays. I know that despite them being aware of my deconversion, they still want me to go for the sake of tradition. Part of me thinks I should just suck it up and go just to make them happy and not cause a scene, but another part of me hates organized religion and never wants to set foot in a church service ever again. Mm. I carry a lot of religious trauma, and I'm very aware of the psychological games churches play to get individuals to conform to a belief system, and this is something that I never want to be associated with, even if it is for one Christmas service. However, with all my immediate and extended family being religious, I know that I will stick out for not going to this, and it will likely lead to uncomfortable conversations during the holidays, which I would prefer not to have in that setting. I would love to hear what you guys would do in the situation and if you have any additional advice. Mm. Well, I've never been in that situation. So at first, and I'm glad you said it, I was going to be like, ah, just go, suck it up. But I think you raise a really good point, which is like my experience with this is traumatic and, and uh I don't want to go back to the scene of the crime. I don't want to go have to deal with that. I'm a, like hardly against, you know, a hard no for this. Thinking through it, I will just pose a question, which is what if you said, mom, dad, I love you. But, and you said this, like in my life, you guys have been great. I feel like I have a lot of issues from Christianity. Like it create, and you guys can maybe discuss that, but like going there, um, brings up and I don't want to I hesitate to use the word you could like trauma for me and if you want you can discuss that with them and I don't know how open they'll be they've they've heard you somewhat and then at family dinners I I'm I definitely tend towards this it's it's a problem uh somebody I would just be like yeah why didn't you come be like well actually the church really wasn't very good for me growing up you know like it taught me this and that wasn't good it taught me like I I don't get as uncomfortable with those. Dude, you brought a, you went, when you became an atheist, you brought your religious aunt or your aunt who was yeah. religious brought you out to lunch and you made her cry or you made her shake. You made like her tremble and she, you she, questioned, she, we walked out. You questioned the faith yeah. in front of her because you were so excited. I was thrilled to have the discussion. So yes. you're in a very I'm different weird. boat. I'm a weird, you love, I, I you love thrive, to talk to faith. I thrive in uh, debate and conflict and uh, differences of opinion. So what do you think? I don't think there's a wrong answer. Personally, I don't think that going to sit in a church means that you're endorsing the institution. I go to weddings. I go to a bat mitzvah. It doesn't mean that I endorse the synagogue. Maybe maybe I'm wrong on that, and I should take a stand to never enter a religious institution, but I'm agnostic. I don't think Christianity or Judaism got it nailed in their book. Uh, but, yeah, I'll show up for a wedding. I'll show up for a funeral. I, I will be in those buildings without having any moral challenge about it so that's so personally i don't think it's an endorsement of the institution to go into the building i think that's a fair stance that said i don't feel traumatized by it Mm -hmm. so if going to those ceremonies was deeply emotionally painful for me i don't know that i would do it i just go and tune out they're boring my experience being inside of religious buildings for the last for my adult life is just that they're boring (laughs) so I allow myself to be bored so that I can be present for a wedding or a bat mitzvah, whatever it might be. So that's my personal take. But yeah, I definitely also wouldn't do it if I, if it was going to be miserable for me, if it was going to be reliving painful events, I just say, yeah, I'm not going to go, not going to go be miserable. And you guys should just respect that about me. 
Yeah. And we can hang out before, we can hang out after. It's not in that building. Yeah. And it's, it, that's the thing is, I don't know where you're at in your experience with the trauma that you called it, but it's like, if you're not triggered, it actually isn't like you go and you see all the ways that they try to uh, hook people in and it is cute and mildly triggering. It's like, oh, how goofy that is, as opposed to deeply upsetting when you're yeah. more traumatized but we'll by go, it. But, let's, but on, the, on the hardcore flip side, you were an uh, altar boy who got molested yeah, and yeah, going yeah, to yeah. the church causes you PTSD. I tell my parents, no shot in hell I'm going yeah, in there. Yeah. So, so, yeah, and so you'll have to figure out where you for are. you yeah, where you are in, in, in terms of being able to... Yeah, do you oppose the institutions or, or is it PTSD traumatic on... It creates pain in you. Mm-hmm. I can't tell from the question where you are. Cool. We go to Patreon? Yep. Oh, what do we it. have today? Today we're going to talk about uh, opening up to your parents over the holidays. Uh, talking a lot of holidays. About, yeah. Talking about um, dropping a friend that behaves unethically. And we're going to talk about... League of Legends mid <laughs> and the new meta in season yeah. 12. Is there a new meta? What's the new meta? We didn't talk about Arcane, which I'll just say I have enjoyed so far. And oh, Arcane's been great. Yeah. And it made me, it, we're gonna, I'm going to be writing some stories, working on them. What's the new meta? I don't know. <laughs> Big R Jungle. And then um, the last thing is uh, telling people you're fantastic when you're not. Okay. Cool. So that's Ooh. what we got on Patreon. If you guys want to hop in. We'll be discussing that and a bunch of other questions. University question. Yeah. 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 Mm. So if you guys want to check that out, it's over on Patreon. Keeps us going. Keeps uh, food in Justin's belly and a warm roof over his head. (laughs) (laughs) So we hope that you decide to do it. Support the podcast. Either way, we appreciate you. Take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.